and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Racing Only Better podcast ahead of the weekend. Good action in England, but top class action in Ireland to get stuck into. We, of course, will be covering all the ITV terrestrial races in the next hour or so. So that's from Sandown and Musselburgh. But then we'll also be looking at the first day of the Dublin Racing Festival. And we've got some treats in store there. So without further ado, let's get stuck in saying hello to the boys. Daryl Carter, ready for the weekend ahead? We're off the back of a good one and we're heading into an even better one. Yeah, well, the boys are off the back of a good one. It was quality performance from them two last week. Me, not so much. Uh, so Only more do... than me. <laughs> I... No, no, don't do yourself an injustice there, Dan. I do need to uh, to pull my weight this week, but I, I feel I've got a couple of strong hands this week, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh, love that. Love that fighting talk. And yeah, the boys did have a very good weekend last weekend on the tipping front on this show. Dan Barber, quick check-in. Do you have strong opinions? I hope that your focus is going to be muscle burr, essentially. Yeah, we, you've literally got your cap on. We, we've we got to adopt our tipping caps, haven't we? So hopefully, I mean, the, the Ruth Jesson horse looks nice, doesn't she, from last week? But yeah, TC, oh, over to you, TC, after those double-figure winners left, right and centre, as he calmly takes a sip on his tea. What a pro. <laughs> I know, he is a pro. I tried to give him credit on Monday's show as well. No, he wouldn't have it. None of it. Yeah, plays a cool card. I'm more into self-flagellation and self-praise. I'll, I'll leave that to others now. After the, wow, after the lovely. I've had last year, I don't do <laughs> No booming tweets, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Right. But let uh, TC, before we go any further, can we have ground update Damn. from you, please? Sand down first, then muscle bro, and you better do Dublin as well. Yeah, uh, basically it's all dry from here on in. Uh, Leopardstown okay. might get two mil, but there's nothing forecast anywhere. So, you know, should dry up, if anything, even in even winter. Sandown is soft, good to soft on the hurdles track. It's good to soft, good on the chase track. Be warned there, because even on the BHA site, they're warning it's likely to ride dead after the recent dry spell. So anybody who watched Sandown last week on the hurdles track especially know what to expect even on uh even on drying ground uh Musselburgh they had five mil yesterday they're currently good to soft soft in places uh like I said it's dry uh Leopardstown had two mil overnight they're soft on the hurdles course and yielding to soft on the chase course so um they're not going to be getting any deeper if the forecasts are accurate okay lovely then bit of dry weather that's all right we'll take that uh, before we go any further, Betfair Sportsbook has a new offer for you guys. From now until the Cheltenham Festival, this one, a completely free bet on racing multiples. That's every weekend from now until the festival. You can opt in from the Friday before. You can also opt in as you play throughout the weekend. You can claim it Friday, Saturday or Sunday. You must opt in. T's and C's apply. You need to do it responsibly, please. All the information will be on the Betfair Sportsbook website. Do check it out. That's a completely free bet on racing multiples every weekend from now until the Cheltenham Festival. So get stuck in. Uh, boys, we are about to get stuck in. We will kick off with Sandown and the first of the ITV races on ITV3 this weekend. Um, Mare's handy, uh, that's a lie, Novice's handicap hurdle to kick things off at 125 over the two and a half miles at Sandown. And Jinko Blue, your Newbury winner, is your two to one favourite for, you guessed it, Nikki Henson, James Bowen. Uh, 135 
not out. Harry Copton, Paul Nichols at nine to two. Classic Anthem is six to one. Bigger prices after that. Ten go to post. TC, I'm going to start with you as you got a gold star from last week. So you get first dibs this week. Yeah, very tricky race this one. Jinko uh, Blue could well be well handicapped, but twos is no bargain. Alfie's Princess uh, was probably the pace angle in the race, though so I've got a couple with I've a couple of others with question mark, but I think Alfie's Princess could get the run of the race from the front. The one I nearly put up on empty post uh, earlier in the week uh, was Mumford's Magic. Uh, so he was twenty five. He was twenty five percent, and he's still twenty five for the sports book. And we've lost five runners since. So I think that's probably the way to go if you want to bet. I probably won't be putting anything up or, or backing anything myself, but. Uh, I don't think he stayed over a three-mile one last time. I think um, he's fairly handicapped off 110 on his previous Hexham second. Uh, he got beaten neck off levels, and the, the winner went on to win subsequently. Is now rated £11 higher than his mark. So, um, And, you know, that Hexham run was slow motion stuff, uh, but that's exactly what you need on the hurdles track. So I thought a 25-1 to 1 Mumford's Magic was a fair price. Okay, outsider of the lot. Over to you, Daryl, for our first. Yeah, Mr. Nichols' horse, uh, one three five out. I think he's quite a progressive horse. Um, he's he's improved run by run. He was very, very green at Wing Canton in deep ground behind uh, Lump Sum. But what I liked about him there was once he sort of got himself organised, it the line came all too late for him. He switched his legs and was wanting to go again. But Lump Sum had too much pace for him. And uh, we, we've seen sort of the turn of foot that horse has when he... Made Jericho de Repine work hard at Doncaster the other day. Uh, he's gone out of Kempton next time. I thought the ground was just too quick, the track too sharp, and the, the trip too short. Um, complete opposite, really, today. And uh, I think he's I think he's probably been letting a little bit lightly off a mark of 118. Um, yeah, I think he's got a decent chance here. Like, Jinko Blue, for me, is a horse that hasn't run beyond 124 yet. Sort of probably can run to it, but probably vulnerable to something that's a bit better handicapped. And I think this this 135 not out is is a progressive horse. So I want to keep him on side. Okay. Both boys, uh Dan, against the favourite in Jinko Blue. Are you in their camp? Or yeah, very camp? very much so. Um I know mm. we've 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 done to death the old stable farm thing on this pod, but for a stable like Nicky's in the last three weeks to have had only a handful of winners and he's had four odds on shots turned over. I mean, one of those was John Bond. Should have won, but his jumping was obviously atrocious. Um, two to one, inexperienced horse tackling this sort of gluey ground that TC's mentioned. Uh, not many youngish trainers, ex-Tim Vaughan, this fellow, as we know, have, have made the impression that Robbie Llewellyn has. And... I don't think Titan Discovery's Ascot form is very strong by the standards of the track, but he's an improving, lightly raised horse who sees his races out really well. He's a half-brother to Bingu, the Moffat horse, who's so cut from the same cloth, it's unbelievable. Just prolific winner, thrives on test of stamina and stiffish finishes. He gets that. I'm going to back him each way. Okay, lovely. Uh, let's move on, TC, to the handicap chase over just shy of the two miles at two o'clock at Sandown. Um, in Excelsis Deo is your 15 to 8 favourite for Harry Fry and Johnny Burke. And I think I'm right in saying that you were with him the last day at Cheltenham when he just got uh, outdone by that Madara, weren't you? I was. It was awful. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. He'd well, have been Dan a bit was. short well, for TC, I think. 
Now, I, I was like, just thinking that actually, but he's I, taking on Senegal. It's it's a tragedy. He's yet to win a race this season. He should, if he could just get his act together, Senegal, then surely off one three nine, he's got some wins in him. In him, he's two to one. Harper's Brook next best at seven to two. TC. Yeah. Um. So a tight little market, but lots of potential in here. Just horses who haven't quite got to get it together. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I think Saint Segal should be favourite here. Um, yes. Not my kind of... It's got to like my moment, hang on. It's a Kev Blake moment. <laughs> Wait, leave it. Carry on. Oh, okay, yeah. We, um, don't, we don't need Dan, so you continue to... Yeah, see. okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, obviously, he was in the process of maybe winning against Boot Hill when falling at the last at Ascot. Um, mm -hmm. Traded at twos on. Was that three pounds for that one? And... I think he really should have won last time. I think the I think the jockey uh, made a bit of a balls up of it. I thought he was. I think the jockey thought he was winning all the way, made a mistake, lost a lot of momentum, and just couldn't get back on the line. I actually think he might have traded at one point two that day. Bizarrely, looking at the uh, looking at the replay, so off the same mark here, he's got an obvious chance. Um, I personally would lay him at six to four, uh, but. I don't really, I don't play at short prices and I'm not playing at twos. Uh, in fact, you could argue that Red Rookie is the overpriced one. Um, down in trip, off a market of 135, you're two miles on drying ground. There's a fair bit of pace on here. You expect Sacred Curve to go forward. Obviously, Harper's Foot went forward last time and Saint Segal has made the running in the past as well. So I think the pace setup could really be good for Red Rookie. Um, first time cheap pieces may help, but I just think he might be taking off his feet a bit here but um yeah uh saint Gale's a very fair price at twos you can get nine to four and i thought red rookie is probably the overpriced one uh if you're looking for a bigger odds as i tend to do at 10 to 1. okay i'm on the saint Gale train as well if you haven't noticed already dan you were on the in excelsis deo train last time heartbreak city did <laughs> you there are you with him again yeah, just harping back, actually, just from my own amusement to the last time Harper's Brook made his way up the sand down running. Do you remember it? Yeah. He let, he let, uh, you won't be surprised to hear where my money was that day. Um, he led, <laughs> we're still clear. And all the while, while he's clear, I'm thinking, oh, God, I know what's, I half know what's coming here. And he completely wilted, and he's obviously gone on and done the same at Ascot. I mean, character doesn't do it justice. Um, but it's a bit of a recurring theme for me today. I'm slightly different to TC on the identity of the horse in question, but a few favourites who I thought would be short at early prices, and I think Excelsis Dio's one of those. I mean, you could say on the face of it, they both got very similar claims, him and Sansa Gal. They, they're horses that will be ridden more patiently in a race where you think Harper's Brook will will blast off and set it off with Sacre Coeur. Um, and I know he's got only one win to his name in the UK, which isn't a very good return, but... He's basically shaped like a well-handicapped horse twice now. And I'm not going to knock him for getting beaten by the four-year-old who goes for the DRF of Sophie Leach's because he's not a big horse, but he's adapted well to Cheltenham handicaps. He had the benefit of the allowance. And in Excelsis Dio has got right alongside him, giving him a proper race, and they've pulled clear. I thought that was a bit better than the bare form that Sansa Gal can boast. I don't think getting chinned by first flow nowadays is a massive sort of pat on the back. So I was with an Excelsior deal and I, I envisaged he might, I won't lie, I thought he might be nearer 6-4 to four than 15-8. to eight. If you just, one Harper's Brook, if you have, you do back him, he's been beaten at 1.12, 1.04 and 1.01 twice. 
Yeah, we love it. That ca those characters, I, I, I love them. That Dan could, if Dan backed Labour to win the next general election, <laughs> Tories would win. That's what. That's what yeah. Dan. Yeah, Might have a few bit on the Tories just to hammer it to make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah back <laughs> Tories, don't back Labour. Um, Daryl, we've got podcast. a difference of opinion. A difference of opinion here, Daryl. Uh, Dan thinks in Excelsis Deo is the clear cut favourite. TC thinks Saint Segal should be nearer favouritism. Where do you sit in this particular argument, Daryl? Yeah, I, I can see the case for both. I, I would sit on the side of TC here. I was on. I, I really fancied Saint Segal at Lingfield last time. He did trade at one point two in running, and uh, he was beaten. I was. I was fuming really because I thought he. I thought David Nunes should have got after him a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit sooner. But um, look, for that reason, I think he might. He might force the pace here. Um, so that would just concern me with the amount of other pace in the race. He's two to one. I think he, look, he's knocking on the door. He's so frustrating, but one of these doors has got to open for him sooner or later. I do. I must admit, I, I am slightly concerned about Excelsior's Dow's jumping around Sandown. That would just be the slight concern for me. A couple of mistakes here down the back of the railway fences can really throw your race away. Um, and again, completely agree with Tony about Red Rookie. He does like it here at Sandown. Best best race of his uh, season last time out. But the cheap pieces need to to really pull something out of the fire for him to win this. I think. But I would I would side with Saint Scale, but I actually think he's the right price at two to one. So um, I could see it being two to one the pair, to be honest with you, or six to four the pair if you like. Okay, intriguing clash. We have a few of them coming out specifically over at the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, that would be one of the first ones on Saturday, head-to-head -head there. Uh, Daryl, I'm going to stay with you for the Silly Isles, the next at Sandown for us to look at, because, of course, novice chasers, we know how much you love them, so I thought I'd let you have first stab here. Um, Hermes Allen is your even-money favourite for Paul Nichols, Harry Cobden, as you know. Obviously met Iles Francais last time at Kempton. No French weapon in here this time, which makes Hermes Allen your even-money favourite. Digello is next best at 9-2 to two after the carnage or the non-event, really, that was Lingfield when we last saw him, courtesy of that fall at the first. After that, Le Patron also 9-2. to two. Colonel Harry in there, 11-2. to two. Nickelback is bigger priced at 10s. It's just the five runners, but basically those four horses... Um, you can make very clear cases for them all. So, Daryl, mm -hmm. is Hermes Allen even money the right price at the top of the market is the question I put to you. No, he should be 10 to 11, but even money is, is close enough. Elite, he's up. He's far better than these. This is a horse that went off right. for the Bloom and Ballymore. That run in the King George, in the, in the King George, uh, against Ile Francais last time was a, was a cracking effort on the clock. Like it was a really, really good effort. I think people have sort of underestimated how good of an effort it was from him because he was beaten by a flashy horse in the third who was flattered, who he'd actually beaten 75 lengths in the cello before, um, ran up his ass towards the finish. But the drop down and trip will definitely suit him. This track will suit him. Like he jumps really well, jumps beautifully. I think he'll, I think he'll eat these up. Uh, there's loads of pace in here for him as well. The oh. Patron, Nickelback, Jagello's gone forward before. I think he's the, uh, yeah, like he's six to four um, with a lot of other firms, which is slightly frustrating because if he was six to four, I'd be having a right good bet on him. But even I made him a ten to eleven shot, so even money's close enough to that for me to sort of leave him alone. But I expect him to win and win well. Okay. So all aboard the Hermes Allen train for Daryl. What about you, Dan? How are you playing this small field? 
I've been trying to convince myself that there's too much between Nickelback and Hermes Allen on the Newbury race with one being evens and one's tens based on a belief that Nickelback will be very much at home around Sandown with the fences coming thick and fast, but also the fact he really walked through the, was it like the fourth or fifth last? He barely took off and just ploughed through it. It's purely a price thing. Fundamentally, I think, if Nickelback, with the benefit of experience, couldn't get the better of him and was beaten six and a half lengths by Hermes Allen, it's likely to be a similar story again. But one thing you'd say about the Corto Star on Boxing Day, I think two have run out of it and just not performed at all, as if like a, that really searching gallop knocked a few of them. So certainly Titan our belts ran atrociously at Cheltenham, didn't pick his feet up at all. Um He's had a break. You wouldn't expect it to be a massive issue, but um, you're trying to find potential negatives at evens. I, I don't think I will have a bet, but if I do anything, it will probably nickel back. And he does provide you with a potential back to lay angle because I definitely think he'll lead. I mean, there's no this horse leads. It doesn't matter if there are other front runners against him. Nickel back will get to the front because that's the way he tends to be ridden. And I know uh, Sarah Humphrey in her interview was sort of thinking, and I, I think I agree with her that. Two and a half is actually more his trip than two, even though he's quite headstrong. And um, it was two where he did a bit too much at Kempton and got picked off by Master Chewy. Uh, I'd hopeful you'd have a trade, if nothing else, with him. Okay. TC, small field, mm. short enough price favourite at the top. Is this a race that you have found a bet in? Um. No, but I think if there is, I think if anybody who does pace maps will look at this race and be looking, be veering towards Colonel Harry because, as Dan's like Sacra Kerr in the previous race, I think he's got one way of running um, um, Nickelback, so I think he'll go on. But the but the three others, uh, the three other pace angles, be really pestering him. So uh, I think that will count against Nickelback. Um, yeah, I mean, if the ground had a bit more dig in it. I think Colonel Harry would be the way to play here, but it's currently, like I said, it's it's verging towards good ground on the um, on the chase course, and I'm not far from Sandown, maybe just like five six miles, and there's not been a cloud in cloud in the sky all day, uh, and it's going to be set like that. So I think we could be looking at good ground on the chase course. So, and that would be against Colonel Harry, but I think the pace setup is 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 ideal for Colonel Harry. So nominally he's a good price at eleven to two, but I suspect the ground might do for it. Okay, ground concerns then. Uh, TC, let's stick with you as we move on to the three-mile handicap hurdle, premier handicap hurdle on the card. Well, just shy of the three miles. 15 runners here and loads of money up for grabs, so good, strong field to get stuck into. Market reflects that. Uh, Ed Keeper for Sam Twiston Davis, Sam Thomas, is 4-1 to one currently at the top of the market um, after that good run behind Butch at Cheltenham. Transmission for that Madison who managed to stick in the saddle at Plumpton when we last saw transmission and go on to win is 11-2 to two to back Amazing. that remarkable recovery and victory up. Um, West Balboa back into handicap company for the first time in a couple of runs for the Skeleton Yard, 13-2 to two for the Mayor. Uh, those are your top few. I won't rattle through them all, TC, because we want to know how many darts are you throwing at this particular board? Well, I've already thrown one. Uh, I tipped up Wonderwall at 33s on Monday. Um, that's into 14s now, so I'm all right from a price perspective there, but I think the 14s is probably uh, a bit too short now. Um, 
I can see him being 20s plus on the day. But I, I remain convinced he's well handicapped after 128 on his novice form a couple of years ago and some of his flat form as well. But And obviously we didn't get to see how well handicapped he was last time because he was brought down four out in the Lanzarote. But the stables won this before, so hopefully Wonderwall will... Um, Will, will go well, but at the current odds, in fact, at the same price as Wonderworld is at 14s, I think Good Luck Charm is an absolutely cracking bet at 14s. Now, the Sportsbook are playing four places. Um, I'm inclined to go win only on Good Luck Charm. I think I mean, she's basically in the form of her life. One first time out <laughs> in Canton, a good third at, at Cheltenham next time in a race that's worked out really well. Uh, the winner and the fifth have come out since. Uh, the second and the fourth haven't run since, so they couldn't have franked it. And obviously, that was a good run off this. That was a third off this mark. And if you go and look at her run in the Lanzarote last time, um, she was just like um, she was bang there, got badly outpaced, turning in, looked to be going backwards, and then all of a sudden, between the last two, really started running on again, suggesting this up in trip to two mile seven will really suit her. Now. She has raced over three mile two before, and it was like quite a modest second. But even though it suggests she stays a lot more than two mile five, so I think of the same mark as the Lanzarote at Cheltenham, up in trip, like I said, in, in the form of a life. Uh, I think Good Luck Charm is a cracking bet at 14s. There is 16s around in, in there is 16s around in the wider marketplace, but I wouldn't lay her at tens myself. So Good Luck Charm for me is a confident selection to go well. Nice. Okay. I'm going to put that in the potential Tony's nap <laughs> column for the week. Um, so TC focusing in on that Lanzarote form with a nod to Wonderwall and a strong nod to Good Luck Charm. Are you looking at the Lanzarote form as well, Daryl? Is that the way you're focusing for this race? No, I'm looking at a couple of unexposed sorts. Ed Keeper was another one to get uh, beat at 1.2 in running for me at Cheltenham. Um God, that was frustrating. That was really that was even more frustrating than Santa Gal. Um, he's got, you know, he's effectively got a winner's penalty for that because he's he's gone up six pounds in the handicap. But there could be loads more progression to come from him. He's a real nice horse. Um, I'm just though at a bigger price going to side with Saint Davy, who I think has got tons more to come. I'm sure this horse is going to end the season much higher than 130. He reappeared. He he was due to go over fences, but um, he came back late, so that he re reappeared over hurdles at Ludlow, beat Emerton by one and a half lengths, but he it was much more comfortable than the winning margin suggests. He made a mistake at the last, having just cantered all over him, and it, it just had. To, Give him a couple of shakes of the reins to get get on top in, inside that short running, but it was one tap with a stick, and he was John Joe knew he had him well covered. Emma Tom, I think there's loads of progression to come from him. He, he was unbeaten in three starts before that, including the point to point. They threw him in at the deep end at Aintree last year, where he did not look out of place in Grade One company. He travelled really strongly, but he cut out very, very sort of tamely towards the finish. And I wonder if there was just something to miss from there. We didn't see him obviously until January. There's, like, he's up six pounds for that Ludlow win, but there, there's loads more to come from him. He'll love sort of this. This is a taxing track anyway, so the stiffer the test of stamina, the more he'll enjoy it. He's unexposed. He's definitely going to end the season higher than 130. So hopefully, with that run under his belt, we could see a, 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 a perhaps a graded horse and a handicap. Okay, currently seven to one, Saint David for the John Joe Neal team. Um... Dan, are you playing the sort of more the the less exposed horses in here, like Saint David? I suppose that is the obvious less. 
I'm back in. Uh, I'm back in one at either end of the market V. Um, I, I Daryl's right to mention the fact that their keeper's gone up five, but he could have won that race decisively had he not made such a bad mistake at the last. He's new. I maintain the belief that that race that Rambo T came out of at Newbury is a very strong piece of form based on the profiles involved, even if it hasn't been working out in really stellar fashion so far. But he himself could easily have followed up. He's an absolutely cracking-looking horse, so much scope, so much physically to believe that we've yet to see the best of him. I didn't think he was a complete million to develop into a sort of stayers hurdle, sort of more of that type character this season after the Newbury win. So I'm more than happy to back him at fours plus in a handicap like this. But I'm also going down the honey ball route with another. Good luck charm did um good luck charm did what Gustavi's trying to do, didn't she? She came back after a spell chasing and won over hurdles at Wincanton. Um and Gustavian is doing the same. He, he's a horse I really rated in his early days. He kept getting dropped out miles out the back in bumpers and showing loads of ability. Whether he wants a dour slog at Sandown is a potential negative, but fundamentally, I'm thinking, well, he's got a lower mark over hurdles of one three two now, despite him being on the up over hurdles when he, in his last stint, and never really thinking that he's a natural chaser, you know, for his jumping not being particularly bold or anything. In his 20s, so if it's, if I mean, Honeyball, as I said, has done it before. I'm not all, n- normally a massive fan of horses that have sort of, lost the way over fences. They tend to just try hurdling out of desperation to some extent, don't they? But I get the feeling there's an angle with him that actually he might be a better hurdler than Chaser. And if so, a mark of one three two, which has slipped, is is pretty generous. But I'm I'm mainly on the Ed Keeper train. I'm I'm not, I'm not quite driving it, but I'm I'm in the car, you know, shoveling the coal on or something. Like it. Okay. Shoveling the coal on. Just that's just the right role for you in life. Yeah. Um, last race at, at Sandown here is the handicap chase over the three miles and 10 runners here um, wide open market essentially you've got the likes of Black Jack Magic at 3-1 to one near the top of the market along with uh, dropping down and uh, sorry stepping up in class I should say sharing the sort of market favouritism at the moment with Dom of Mary you've also got the likes of certainly Red in there obviously more exposed individual uh, Kestrel Bally is stepping up in grade as well bangers and cash in there um, horses with a variety of different profiles but surely TC this is a market you want to get stuck into nice and wide open uh, yeah I put up uh, certainly read at 14s each way on Tuesday, uh, and that's only nine to two with a sports book, but that's not a representative price. There is there's five lots. TC, of- do you know what I might do you know what I might start doing, TC, about two years into recording this podcast? Is actually reading your column before we record them. Uh, don't worry about it. Is it like a lot of people like the anti-post is is redundant, isn't it, when it comes to the dairy markets, but Reason why I mentioned the prices is it's basically it's you have to kind of like compare the two because complete uh, sorry the uh, certainly red for example it was fourteen so there was twenty two in the race on on Tuesday on Monday and now there was only ten so it's cut really really a lot and obviously the sportsman don't want anything to do with him at nine to two when he's when he's eight elsewhere but I I'd, I'd probably make him a fresh bet at six to one plus because. 
you know, like I said, there's 12 have come out of this, and I think it's a really winnable race. Uh, like I said, the eights in the wider marketplace is just banned wrong. Um, he's on a really good mark. He's one off this mark. He's one at the course. He's seven pound lower than when a good seventh in the Bet365 Gold Cup. There's five forward goers in here, which will really suit him Give for a horse that stays further than that. I think the drying ground is going to be in his favour. Like I said, I think it'll be good ground uh, on the chase course. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd quite happily back him at six to one or plus on the exchange. Um, yeah, I think certainly Red has got a lot going for him. He's got, like I said, good body of work uh, at the course, good body of work off this handicap mark. And I just think he's he's primed to run a massive race. Certainly Red for me. Oh, another strong selection from TC. TC with some strong views this week. I do admire Darren, do that in. Sorry, v, I do admire that in like people who do these anti-post columns are able to then sort of switch and think, right, that's a separate entity to this, and I must reassess yeah. it. The, the worst, the worst thing, the worst thing anybody can do is just be. I mean, it's it's kind of like is is the vibes of Cheltenham to it when it comes to the festival. A lot of people, you know, now the colours to the mask and just think, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. You just have to just like come to it fresh. You've got different, different runners, different entries, different pace makeups. You've got different each way terms. So you just got to just say, like, fine, you know, I've I've done that. That's irrelevant. Just come to every race fresh. Totally different view. Like it. Uh, Daryl, I was coming to you next, but Dan obviously rudely Rude. interrupted me there. <laughs> I'll um, get back to shoveling coals I'm, like all your servants. I don't make them shovel the coal because I have a log burner, not a coal burning <laughs> stove. Okay. What's so the log burning? What's he called? Got <laughs> <laughs> another log on you. Um, Daryl, Daryl, Daryl. Uh, TC has a strong selection there with certainly red. Do you have an equally strong view in this race? Well, I thought Moroda was miles overpriced at 33s as the outside of the field. I thought I thought he ran much better than the results suggest last time at Kempton. He was he was ultimately beaten 31 lengths, 7 and 7, but he went well for a long way with plenty of zest and they, they said he made a, a, a respiratory noise and they put a tongue tie on him now, but this this was a horse who was an excellent second to Kitty's Lightyear over three mile four last year at Sandown. He won the Grimthorpe, uh, beaten under supervision. He's a horse that can just bounce back out of a poor run. Um, and I was hoping that this was a winnable race, as Tony mentioned, and that he, he might just keep galloping from the front, to be honest with you. It wouldn't be a massively strong case, but I, I was very surprised to see him as big as 33 to 1. Um, it, it, like, like last year, for example, he, he, bounced, he was beaten 49 lengths by certainly red and you know, went went at Doncaster and won at eighteen to one, and then reversed the form with certainly red. So, look, I think he's a big price at thirty three to one. I, the other one I was going to probably have a little little bet on was um was was fullback, and these are both I must say these are both very tentative selections. But as Tony mentioned, I think it's a very very winnable race. Race fullback I thought was going really well uh, when he was having a seasonal return at Lingfield behind Long Presse before coming down. Now I'm not saying he would have you know been involved in that race whatsoever, but it was obviously a prep run or something. And uh, he's a well-handicapped horse on his best form. And if he decides to, if he comes out of that, none the worse, he's going to be playing a hand in here. I thought a lot of the others, like, like I thought this was a race you definitely wanted to take a chance on something. Um, so at 16s and 33s, they would be the two I would play in this. Okay, well, uh, Dan, Daryl has, Daryl has said this is a winnable race, as he likes <laughs> to put it. Um, it's a Willie Hudson. Release, watch up. Watch up. 
Um, do you agree with them that it's a winnable race? Uh, <laughs> uh, very much so. No, I, I do. I, I think I'm going to save on Blackjack Magic, that said, because I think he's got better form than these. I mean, he's dipping into a lesser race. He's really solid. And he'd have, he was in and amongst the likes of Victorino. I think he's on his way to the ultimate um, based on the run last week. And um, the runner-up of Cromwell's who finished so strongly. Uh, but the one I thought was overpriced, I'm not saying it's Waller territory, but I am surprised Grozny, for all he's not a good jumper, he's 16s. Um, he's run into a, a well-handicapped Irish horse over the wrong trip last time, two and a half miles up Musselburgh. He tried to keep at him, keep at, keep at him, but just came off second best. But that was a dropping trip. You go back to the three-mile form prior to that, and that is... That is I think the strongest handicap form in the race, arguably, when you look at how many winners have come out of that race. Um, a Buffalo Soldier finished like seventh or something or eighth and came out and won a handicap next time at Newbury under similarly forcing tactics. They've been, that's just a strong piece of form. Scrum Diddley was an interesting horse back in third. The winner was Twin Jets, who Nichols had got hold of from a certain other trainer who no longer trains. And won with it, landing a gamble. Um, so I think that's really good form. And I'm worried about his jumping. He's not a very good jumper, but hopefully they don't go a breakneck pace. You look at a lot of these, they just it's almost like they think this is the London National that they've entered for rather than the Masters handicap. It's almost like they still think it's three and a half miles because I like to bangers and cash, Dom of Mary, etc. You used to run in those marathon handicaps, and this this isn't necessarily one away from terrible ground. Alrighty then. Um, Daniel, I'm going to stay with you for the Musselburgh card. Sorry, my internet was just letting me down a fraction there, but I stay hope we're back on fine. track now. Stay with <laughs> yeah. us, stay with us. Um, Musselburgh is 150, please. Uh, two miles, four and a half furlongs, the Frodon Novices Limited Handicap Chase, and Bryony Frost gets to pick up the ride on Mon Morale here. Um, up to Musselburgh, she goes five to two favourite ahead of General Officer for Donald McCain and Marble Sands. Uh, Mon Morale obviously been a little bit out in the wilderness so far. Um, well, we've only seen him once this season. He's been off since. Obviously, we had he had a wind surgery over the summer. Just haven't quite seen the best of this horse in a little while. We know they have a lot of faith in him. Is this his opportunity to get back in the winner's enclosure for the first time in a while? Well, it's definitely the best he's had. Since you go back to the day he finished second to John Bonnet at Warwick, he's running a race won by the, the real whacker at Cheltenham, Jerry Colon at <laughs> Sandown, and then yeah. he ran in the, in the Liverpool hurdle. Remember discussing him, me and Daryl have a similar mind, that he was just too short in the betting on his reappearance, giving you you know, into a much different type of race, big field, December Gold Cup. He didn't actually disgrace himself, I didn't think. And I get the strong feeling that this sort of test will suit him a bit better. But it's D-Day for him, really. And there are certain horses you just don't want to back at certain price. And I think because of his profile, he does fall into that category. But in all honesty, I'm struggling to get behind one of the others. General Officer, perfect conditions, Musselburgh records really good over hurdles. Respect these Crawford horses when they go chasing for the first time, but it is a warm race. It's one of those. I might actually think, well, if it, the length and the odds for this, that if he puts it together, Mon Morale, he can probably push out his odds and get a bigger price about him winning by a decisive margin. But And that means that you're not having to back him at five to two to win the race. Because I think if he does win, 
it could be pretty bloodless because he might just bounce back in an easier race and completely outclass them. In the race, of course, I mean, let's not pretend it's not of some significance. It's it's the Frodo Novice's handicap chase. You'd think that they would yeah. want to earmark for it. I remember Grenatine going up here. I think it was might have been this muscle meeting or one at a similar time of year a couple of years ago and winning under Bryony. So it's not unheard of. Mm. And he sent a big battalion up there last year when I did the two days on the telly. Nice, nice little, you've got a nice little name check in there as well. Well played, like it. That one belly. TC, um, are you with Dan in the sense of, given his profile at the prices, you wouldn't want to play in Bon Morale? Yeah, I agree almost entirely what Dan said. Uh, I think he's, if he gets it all okay. together, I, I remember Dan putting him up as, in a without market for the champion hurdle. A, a, a couple of two, three years ago. Yeah, you, when he out of juveniles. Yeah, obviously it's all gone a bit Pete Tong with him, but he didn't run that badly in a much warmer race than this at Cheltenham. We dropped three pounds for it. You know, Bryony hadn't have got on this horse, and she would have given up the game, wouldn't you? In the in the race named after Frodon. So, but yeah, I mean, it's not a convincing profile, is it? But you'd be disappointed if he's not going very close here. But a five to two. It's, look, on the on the weekend that we've got Saturday and Sunday, if you're back in Montmorel at five to two, but you're doing something wrong. <laughs> so you see, I like that assessment. Final line, um, Daryl, did you have a bet in this race? Then I guess is the question to you. Yeah, I thought Montmorel was a cracking price at five to two. No joke. I think he's a. Cracker. He is on all, you could see him starting oh, at six to four, oh. can't you? If there's yeah. a, there, it could be he a way going, to him. He ain't going off no bigger than that. I tell you now, um, he's only a few points bigger for the December Gold Cup, like at four to one. Like I mm. think he's a cracking bet. Second start after a wind up, he shaped like he needed to run that day. There was loads of confidence behind him. Cobden chose him. I thought he ran. He far exceeded my expectations of what he was going to do that day. He, he was tenderly handled towards the finish. If you go back and watch that. Like, this is a significant drop in grade. This is a horse that finished second to Epiton in Aintree in 2022, over two and a half miles. Like, he's bumped in, as Dan mentioned, bumped into John Bond beating seven lengths, a real whacker, only three lengths. Jerry Colon over, you know, over at Sandown. Like, this is an absolute gift of an opportunity for him. He's five to two. I, like, I think that's a massive price. And I think he's probably one of the bets of the weekend, really. If he bounces back, you can see him destroying these by 10, 15 lengths. Like, I, I expect Bryony to to go on and be aggressive with him. That relentless gallop at, at, at Cheltenham last time, he just couldn't lie up with it. You're going to get nothing like the test of that here. Like, look, and as Dan said, the throw on Novice's chase is Bryony's on. Momorad, this has been a plan for him, 50-day break. But this is, like, this is a great bet at 5-2. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> Love it. All right. This is what we have you on for, Daryl. I like it. Differences of opinion in regards to whether it's a good bet at that price. Uh, who will you side with, Daryl or the boys? Um, Daryl, I shall stick with you for moving on to the Edinburgh National, please, next. Over the three miles, seven and a half furlongs. Uh, but it is, of course, on good to soft ground. It's going to be a proper, nice staying handicap test. And peaches and cream is your 5-1 to favourite for Gavin Cromwell, obviously over from Ireland, and has the form with his, his stable mate in Malina Girl from Cheltenham when they were last seen. I find it interesting that Gavin's brought him over for this. Innis Orr is next best with the visors on, 11-2. to Magnus Sam in there. 
at 13 to 2, one of the older, more exposed types. Land and calling, 7 to 1. I mean, a lovely market to get stuck into. 5 to 1, the favourite peaches and cream off the break. He's probably the right favourite, but have you got a bet in behind him or are you with the favourite? How are you playing it, Daryl? I'd be with the favourite peaches and cream. I kind of felt that that it was Melina Girls' day at Cheltenham, the last the last run, and that was sort of a bit of a, a prep run for peaches and cream. Um, I thought he travelled really well, just a little bit outpaced coming down the hill. And then just as he was picking up the bit again, the, the sharp turn into the second last just caught him out and he was out of rhythm in, in, inside the final two. He's like you go back to his win at Punchestown last year in that BMW handicap. Like that field is really, really deep, and he's five pounds higher here, but technically not really five pounds. Or he's, he's seven pounds higher. But Ben Harvey's claim and the fact that it's a British mark, not an Irish mark, suggests that he's on a, he's on a very fair mark for me. Um, I'm very, very interested in him at five to one. Thought Magnus Sam was was also interesting. That was definitely a prep run the last day. He was really in midfield uh, behind half shot. Um, and he won this race last year, but he's fairly handicapped. You go back to sort of his run behind Kitty's light. He shaped really well. He's free for free at the track before that. Um, I expect them to revert to prominent tactics with him, but I just think Peaches and Cream is, is well handicapped enough. And this has definitely been a target in my opinion. Um, so five to one, I'm happy with that. The latter's the only horse you could be tipping here, Daryl, with your name. Magna Carta is a headline on the uh, Betfair. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I'll be honest, I was very, very close to tipping him. I was very close to tipping him. Well, I'm going to anyway. Oh, there you go. Go on then, Dan. Take it away. Yeah, I'll do the Magna Carta puns. Um, yeah, similar case. I mean, the, when you not just the... When, is that, when I was there last year, he absolutely scooted up first start for the yard, enhancing a brilliant muscle barreco, which, as Daryl said, has only taken one knock, and that's when he was almost certainly just having a, a run to get him spot on. They've saved him for this. And as, as I say, as much as the dominant performance last year, where somehow he's only £4 higher now, it was the run in the Scottish National, which was a significantly better national than this. And he tanked through that race. Remember, I put him up each way that day, got excited. He was a massive price, got excited, and he just didn't see it out as well as some sort of dour season stayers like Kitty's Light, etc. So I definitely thought he should be favourite. Um, and there's one who's amongst the 20s chances, who I couldn't make 20s, Brandy McQueen won the handicap hurdle on this card last season. Um, when at the foot of the weights, looking like actually he might be a bit outclassed, but he's always been a dower stayer. Blew out on his last start after his chasing debut was rather handed to him. You could say he's not kicked on from that Kelso win, but seven-week break and trying a marathon trip with only three runs over fences under his belt. I thought that was another angle amongst the big prices, so I'll be with both. Okay, so you've got a couple to run for you then. Uh, TC, in regard to Peach and Cream, I'm with Daryl in the sense that last time out, just like his starting price, like the way in which he went through the race, even his jockey booking, pretty inexperienced claimer on him that day, just everything suggests that that was a little bit of a not-today type run, whereas this very much seems much more like his bag. Is that a fair assessment? Um, Probably not, but... I think if you have, I think you have to have him on side if you're playing in this race. If he wins, I wouldn't want to lose. So I think actually there is sixes and eleven to two elsewhere. But I think the fives with the sports book who are playing four places is very very fair. Um, out of the eight Irish horses running in the races we're covering uh, in the UK to, uh, on Saturday, 
he's actually the best handicap compared to his Irish mark. He's only a pound higher than his Irish mark. You know, we can all read a form book that he's won over this trip, etc. The only, and I agree that he shaped well at Cheltenham, but that was back in November. And the fact that he hasn't been seen since would maybe worry me a touch because he's had a lot of opportunities since. It, it may well be they've been playing the patient game and in coming to this race because it's a 52 grand pot to the winner. But he would just, it'll just be a little worry that he might have had a little hiccup in between because, you know, it's a long time since that mid-November run. But yeah, I think you have to have him on side at, at, um, at fives. The real fascinating one, and we have to we have to trust in your Queen V V. Yeah, oh, uh, I trust in Queen V. And that's and that's Christopher Wood. Now, if you ask any of his previous handlers uh, whether this horse was going to be running, one for they'd have laughed at you. And in yeah. fact, you no, know, he's only raced once above two mile five for for Venetia, but. You look at it and you just think, yeah, it might be worth a try. I mean, it's it clearly it's a win only bet, and he's 16s with a sports book, which I think is is fair. But there's a huge stamina doubt, so don't back him each way. But I think he shaped all, well over two mile five on his comeback. We all know he's got very good course form. You know, only beaten once in in, in three starts here over hurdles, and that was a second. The drying ground will be in his favour. And I just think, you know, what's Venetia's looking at this race and thinking, let's up him, up him in trip, you know, you know, 10 furlongs. And he knows what she's doing with stairs, doesn't she? So I just think yeah. if you, this is one of the situations where I'll be willing to go with the trainer. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's one of those. Oh, without the trainer, you'd, I wouldn't have him staying in a horse box, but no. she is really good at. I know there's two or three trainers out there that when they make a decision like that, you think, oh, actually, I'd... she's like she's got such a body of work with with um, uh, with you know, with with stairs and you know it was a, it was a it was a decent comeback run. It was the first run after a wind up, and if she just found out she's been running over the wrong trip and all the other horses, I mean, he's been running over kind of like it's, I think it might have won over. A mile seven on this card over hurdles a couple of years ago. So it's by fast company, I bet when Vanessa's at these swanky sales, there aren't horses by fast company, and the the consigners are going, "Yeah, we're looking to run him in that Edinburgh National in a couple of years." <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I just thought now. I think Peaches and Cream is the solid one, even if with that doubt why he's been off for so long. Uh, but I just thought the fascinating one, when only, is Christopher Wood. Okay, fascinating indeed. In Queen V, we trust. Um, Dan, I'll come to you first for the Scottish County her Handicap Hurdle, please. Over the just shy of two miles, one mile, seven and a half furlongs. And Benson is your nine to two favourite for Sandy Thompson with Lewis Dobb, seven pound claimer, taking over the reins from Ryan Mania, who won on him last time. He's only up three. Lewis claims the seven. Your Honour is next at five to one. Uh, Affidil in there for Paul Nichols at 11 to two. Those are your top three in here. 13 go to post. Another good betting heat up at Muscle Prep. Yeah, this this time last year, if Affidel was running in a race like, well, certainly as he ended the campaign, as I said, he should be a sharp price favourite for this, but he sort of started running in a peculiar fashion. He's gone from looking lazy to pulling hard. Um, I know if he's getting slightly sour, I'll, I'll keep it fairly brief. There are four places on offer. Parking on Siad is probably at the bottom end of the test of stamina that he wants. 
But if they go a strong enough pace, he'll be one of the stoutest finishers. He's Haydock form, two starts back, he's really good. He's got ground to make up on Benson, but maybe they'll have learned a bit from that last run and they might be quite forceful with him. So no strong view, but in a, in a really tough and open race, he'd be a token suggestion with the four places. Okay, Daryl, do you have a strong view or a token suggestion? Uh, I'll be with Balagiri again. I was with him last time. He, he ran on for second behind Scott's Poet. It was a, a race that recorded a good time. I didn't think Peter Kavanagh was aggressive enough with him. He took him wide, lost a bit of ground. He's probably a horse that does a bit like Dan the Park, and so I probably wants two and a half miles in time. But I'm hoping that Brian Hughes, who gets back on today with form figures of one one two, can be a bit more aggressive with him off the front. He has made the running in the past. Um, he's typically usually very prominent in his races. Just didn't think they were aggressive with him enough last time. But he's definitely on a on a, on a fair handicap mark. If you go back and watch his run at Cheltenham behind our champ, shaped really well from an unpromising position. Won a just a two runner race being Sky Cutter, but uh, he really outran his odds last time um, at over course and distance. So. I think he's. I think he's got to go well here. He's he's the same price as as Caithness, who, who he's thirteen pounds better off with for a novice hurdle uh, win over that horse last season. There's there's more to come from him. Just whether it's going to be over this trip or a bit further, I don't know. But hopefully they're aggressive. Okay, so we start off with a pretty weak view from Dan. We've got a touch stronger with Daryl in this Gee, race. Thanks. TC, do you have a real confident selection for us here to round Musselbrus card off for us? Possibly not, but I think Dan will get the strong pace he needs. I had six forward goers in here, so I can see Parker enunciate, and I think he shaped better than the uh, the beating distance suggests last time when when staying on late. Um, so yeah, I can see that. It's a fascinating. There's a couple of fascinating horses in here. I think Zandabad at tens. Although I don't buy into this Tony Martin's a genius stuff. Just go and have a look at the stats. So if you're here on Saturday, Tony Martin's great. He, you know, he's one to be wary of. Just go and have a look at the Four bet. months without a winner or something, isn't it? Oh, well, look, it's, it's just you hear so much bollocks about Tony Martin on TV. <laughs> That's why I don't watch it anymore. It's just like, I just want to punch the TV. Um, have you ever wanted to punch the TV when you <laughs> and Vanessa are on? Yeah, but I, I tried to punch you, Dan. I always go above your head for some reason. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah. You can't reach that low. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that. you don't try punch me, TC. But I'm also pleased that you watch the live racing on mute. It makes me feel better. No, I don't. I, like I said, I haven't been watching live racing, but I've been recording it. But I watch the races, but I don't watch any of the periphery. Um, <laughs> yeah, where was I? Yeah, I think Zanderbad's really interesting because you remember all the. Uh, he was a bit of a wise guy horse for the Boodles last year after a couple of plot-up jobs and uh, didn't get into the race. And um, But, yeah, of, of that kind of mark. He's £4 higher in his Irish mark, up 115 but you can see him, someone having a swing at him at one point. Um, Sexton is really fascinating. When I first did the race, and I just thought, what price are they going to put this in at? I think, you know, considering he's rated 108 with Sir Michael Stout and he's running off hurdles of 121 on his first start for Lucinda Russell with headgear on, you'd think, I thought they'd put him in about six or seven. I mean, he's like 20s and 22s, but, you know, it's a bit of leap of faith back in him for, you know, his first run since September 21. Um, Good angle for Sexton, TC. Bit of a pun there, thank you. That's your headline for that as well. You know, you should, you should work for the sun, Dan. <laughs> Super smashing, lovely. Um, I put up Collingham at 40s on the last year's winner, two pound lower. Um, 
on Tuesday, basically because 40s was, was too big and there was four places available with an 80 post as well, even though there's only a maximum field of uh, 15 allowed. But we've only got 13. He's cut up a bit. He's only 16s. I wouldn't be in a mad rush to back him at 16s at all. But, uh, yeah, okay. I just, I, I'm not having a fresh bet in the race, as it stands anyway. Okay. Right, that's the UK racing done on... Uh, sorry, that's the British racing done on Saturday at on ITV. We now get to flip across. We're going to cover the two races from Leopardstown that ITV are showing first from day one of the Dublin Racing Festival. Then we'll do any other bets because, of course, we'll be missing out a couple of grade ones. So we will start with the three o'clock because that's the first of the ITV races. Uh, it's over the three and a half miles. It's the very competitive handicap hurdle, as you would expect. And almost as you would expect, a JP McManus horse is at the top of the market. Peter Fahey, this Canal End is your five to one favourite or co-favourite anyway with Willie Mullins' fine margin. But it is Brian Hayes in the saddle for fine margins. It looks as though Paul Townend is only taking grade one rides at the weekend. Well, he is on Saturday anyway, keeping himself out of the hustle and bustle of a handicap hurdle. Um, Prada Boy in there for JJ Slevin. He'll be looking for a quick fire double with obviously fast or slow in the following race. Uh, it's five to one Panda Boy. Nine Graces in there is nine to one. Uh, TC, I shall start with you because I think you are one of the people who have a selection in this race. Um, the one for money already. We're recording this three o'clock. Well, we started this program just uh, just before three o'clock on on Thursday. Fine margin was sevens, sixes, and eleven to two in the wider marketplace. In the sports book, we're going bottom price at fives, but now uh, it's fives across the board. Fine margin, and I can fully see why he was actually entered at, uh, at Sandown, but they've decided to come here, and um, he's actually fascinating for the for the sole reason he's got to be. I reckon he's the biggest drifter. Uh, a Willie Munnings stable debutant has ever been at, at Haydock mm -hmm. last time. He was, I think he started the week for that Haydock race, you know, were won by uh, the uh, Ill State lane, was it? House with yeah. Crambo in third. I think he started the week in single figures in places and he actually was drifted from 14s to 22s on the day and went off at Betfair SB of 28, traded even money and just got, got beaten. But I mean, for, for, for a horse like that to drift that dramatically and win uh, and run so well on his debut for Mullins from a trade from a stable that I've never hardly heard of was, I mean, the run is just like phenomenally good. Um, now he's three pound lower than Ireland than that UK handicapper put him up. He got a point, he put him up six pound for getting beat. Uh, so I think fine margin, uh, I think you again it's very much through like peaches and cream. I think if you play the race, I think you want to have him on side uh, at fives. I mean, I suspect the way the market's going at the moment, I suggest that's going one way. But I mean, I'd be I'd be loath to kind of like go in any heavy in uh, at lower than fives in a twenty four runner handicap. But uh, I think fine margin. I think it's I think it's all there for him. But um, I'll have a deeper delve into the race before I do anything. But um, uh, but yeah, fine margin. I think you've got to have him on side. Okay, fine margin. Getting a very positive shout then from TC. The second race from Dublin Racing Festival that ITB will be showing 
happening is, of course, the Irish Gold Cup. And, of course, this is where we get a very small field, but we get the clash between Fast or Slow and Galloping Deschamps. Galloping Deschamps is your four to nine favourite as we speak right now after that rout at Christmas in the Savile's Chase, taking on Fast or Slow, who of course has got the better of him and is on this upward trajectory. 11 to 4 for JJ Slevin and Martin Brazel again. Conflated in, is in there. Iron Maximus is in there as well. It's only the four runners, so we really need the top two to run, TC. Is there any betting angle in there? Well, if you fancy um, the favourite, Gallup and Deschamps, Sportsbook at top price at four to nine. Um, a lot of people would look at that and just think, you know, fast or slow is beating him in his last two starts. One's 11 to four and the Fab's four to nine. That's got to be wrong. But then again, if Gallup and Deschamps runs through his Savile win or his Gold Cup win, fast or slow needs to improve another 10 pounds or so to, to actually match it with him. Um, the betting's right. No bet. Interesting. Okay, I wanted to settle a bit of like that theory, certainly the theory I had that going wide was definitely the place to be on the chase course. Then that thing came out as well, didn't it? That the if that would have been in Britain, the winning margin would have been about five or six lengths fewer than it was recorded as it's, in Ireland. Conditions will be slightly right. different. I don't know. I'd, and I am Maximus had conflated, went right up the inside where it seemed to be like I, glue. I actually read that. I mean, that was um, Craig Fake, I think, did that piece in the Racing Post. And I wasn't aware of that. Uh, about the different uh, different winning yeah, miles. It's not, it's not a one-off. Yeah, it was that was that was very good there. Go go and search it out. Craig Fake did it, and I don't know if Timeform did it as well, but yeah, mm. we've done it previously. Okay, interesting. Um, obviously, we've got other Grade One action on the Leperstown cards. You've got the Nathaniel Lacey novices hurdle is the Grade One over the middle distance with Paul Town and getting aboard credit. It's old. There's a short price favourite. We've got the juvenile as well and the novice chase. So we're not going to go through it all, but we better just do best bets from Leopardstown day one because, of course, we will be doing a detailed look at day two when you record the Brucey bonus pod for this week. So, Daryl, let's start with you. Uh, first look at Leopardstown card. Is there any bet that particularly jumps out at you? You have free reign in any race you like, sir. Yeah, I got two. I, I wanted to take on Storm Hart in the Juvenile. Um, it was a really slowly run race last time. Very visually impressive. Passed the eye test from three out to the finish, but like the, the circuit time was very, very slow. And I, and I, I thought that that was going to be sort of over-egged. I liked what High Wind did on his debut. He jumped like an absolute snooker table and he still managed to win going away. He beat 18 rivals there. Admittedly, not, not as strong as this, this group, but... There was something in the performance and his finishing effort was very, very good on the clock. He, this was a, a useful, unexposed horse on the flat um, when leaving France. And uh, I think there's more to come from. I think he's a good each way bet in this race because I don't think this a lot of these are, are top notches. So I think he, he could go very well. And in a 4.10, he's been a popular horse throughout the week, thanks to Gavin Cromwell um, doing an interview. But Pap Daru is a horse I think is well handicapped. Looked like he was going to scoot up here at Christmas before coming down um, and was given a very easy ride behind uh, Hunter's Yarn last time. This is a well handicapped horse, pretty unexposed in handicaps, particularly over fences. And this has obviously been the target for him. So I think he'll go very well at 7-2. 7-2 is fine. Um, I wouldn't want to go much shorter than that, though. Okay, couple of little additional bets from Daryl. What about UTC? Anything you'd like to put forward at this stage? Yeah, very, very quickly. I thought um, 
I was waiting for the prices to come up for the first race. Uh, very surprised at all the first firms that went nine to two about Chitara. Um, I thought that was I thought that was too big. Uh, the Sportsbook then came up at fours. It's still some nine to two around, but I think the fours is more than acceptable. I think she's probably got the best form going into the race. I think she's got the best uh, best speed figures for you know someone I've spoken to. I'm not uh, I'm not a big aficionado. Yeah. That's why I ask people who does who do. Uh, she's getting this seven pound sex allowance. Yeah, I I would have her I would have her a fair bit shorter than than four to one. Uh, I think four to one. If you get nine to two, obviously take that. But the fours with the sports book is more than acceptable. And the way she finished off last time, albeit in a race missing a couple of hurdles, I thought the step up in trip will suit as well. So hopefully, uh, Jatara will um, give Willie Mullins his first reverse of the week in the opener. Jatara in the first then on Saturday uh, for TC. Dan, do you have anything else to add from Ireland? I mean, we haven't even mentioned the Irish article. Obviously, a uh, bit of a change up there in terms of running plans. We've now got Fasal Vega in, Gaelic Warrior out. Fasal Vega, the Mullins bullet to fire at Marine Nationale. But unless you've got a betting proposition, I suppose it's just to sit back and enjoy the supreme winner, is it? Yeah, I do think there's a strong element of that at this meeting for me anyway. Very few yeah. bets I'd have I've had at it over the years, and I'm happy. I think a lot of the trainers use it as a as a bit of a benchmark ahead of Cheltenham rather than as, as a standalone fixture itself. So yeah, nothing for me. All right, it's a no from you then, um, boys. We better just do naps then for Saturday. I you'll have again. You've got free reign at this. You can go any race you like at Leopardstown or the ITV Racing for the naps, whatever you prefer. And Daryl, I shall start with you, please. What is your nap? Oh, um, oh, can you come back to me? I love the way I, love I'm the way a I thought you were just going to say every, straight up. Yeah, every single week I ask for a nap, and sometimes you guys look at me as if I've like thrown you a real curveball. We've covered like, so many races, though. It's bad though. This happens yeah. sometimes, doesn't it? Where you ask for the highlight well, on the card have, that you must have. You can't remember a single horse that ran you on must it. Must know what's going to be the hey, best. Harrington well, well, I've got about three horses that I'm quite keen on, Tone. So, yeah, like, okay, it's all about right, all right. About, well, Right, Daryl's oh, napping, Mum Morale. It shouldn't really catch you unawares when she asks you what your nap is. Anyway, <laughs> no, I'll, no, I'll go we'll... first. Good luck, Charm, in the free 10 at Sandown with a candlestick. <laughs> <It's all room. laughs> like it. What about you, Dan? We better do you next then. Um, I wanted to say, um, Magnus Sam, why have I forgotten why I'm actually napping? Oh yeah, I'm See, I'm all Daniel, over this. Ed Daniel, Daniel, I'm, you... I'm all over this Ed Keeper tray. I'm sticking on it, shoveling that coal. Oh yeah, the Ed, the Ed Keeper. I like that. No, I'm with I'm with you, Dan and Daryl. In fairness, sometimes, like you say, they come to you and they say, like, and finally, Vanessa, if you could just wrap up, what's your highlight or what's your name? And you're like, what's running again? And you've done yeah, suddenly you can't even remember a horse you, that's ever existed. If they like, come to you, it's normally the end of Newcastle on a Sunday night and it's the, the highlight is a 0-50. to 50. So <laughs> the highlight for you is going home, I would imagine. Hey, I love nine race cards at Newcastle. The last time I was there, TC, I went up to an owner, had two absolute clangers. Daryl, I'm giving you more time to think of your nap, Thank but you. here's two little clangers for you. 
Uh, one was I went up to an owner and I was like, oh, the horse is called Wee Fat Mac. And somebody had given me a heads up that it was named after one of the owner's dads. So I was went up to the owner and I was like, how many oh, dads has the owner Mac. got? Well, <laughs> I said, uh, I said, I said, oh, I hear the horse is named after you. Oh, after your dad, sorry, or something like that. And he said, yeah, yeah, named after my dad. And, I, and, and then he goes, my dad died. And I was oh, like, wow. oh, right, okay, but was he big into racing? And he goes, no, he died <laughs> during COVID. It's very hard to know where to go from there when you're broadcasting. And then another one. Went very hard to, to know where to go owner. now. <laughs> yeah, went to, I'm just going to roll on to the next. Um, went up to another owner at Newcastle and said, um, how are you going to celebrate? So absolutely made up. And she said, oh, last time you won, I had a heart attack. So I just hope I don't oh, have another God. one. And I thought she was joking. Turns out she's in the hospital for a week. Sweet Jesus. On that cheery <laughs> note. Yeah, Mormon Rao. Let's just go Mormon Rao. I think he's a great price at five to two. 140 muscle, bro. Wrap it up. Mormon to wrap things up, everyone. Wasn't that fun? Right, uh, boys, you will be back. Most of you will be back tomorrow to look at Sunday's racing, obviously day two of the DRF. But before we wrap up, don't forget the Betfair offer a completely free bet on racing multiples every weekend from now until the festival. You can claim it from the Friday. You need to opt in. T's and C's apply, and they're in the show's description below. So please read them. Have a good one, though, everyone. Gamble responsibly this weekend, but enjoy it because it's another cracker. Enjoy tomorrow's show as well. Good luck, boys. That was very soon better. <laughs>